This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, one and all, uh, and in advance, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you very much, and to you, too. Thank you, Charlie Dobbin. Giving thanks. Well, yes. Franklin Proctor. Well, thank you very much for the little uh, address there. I appreciate that. Uh, Here we are on a a beautiful day. It's going to be a honey of a day, huh? I think everywhere, everywhere in southern Ontario, it is a day to get outside, grab the day, seize the moment, which just kind of nicely segues into the fact that I just realized that every year on October 10th is World Mental Health Day. So we couldn't have a better day to to be outside. That's right. And, you know, depression, anxiety, stress. We've all got stress on Uh, some level, uh right? So anybody who's, you know, just everybody needs to get outside and, you know, absorb that vitamin D. uh, Just, you know, be in the moment. Listen to the birds. The geese are flying south. All kinds of stuff's going on. And, you know, the poor little bees and the bugs and the butterflies, they're all confused (laughs) on a day like today. They're like, what? I thought it was October. And it's a gorgeous, almost like a July August day. Yeah, I was telling you, uh, I had one of those days yesterday where I was just totally discombobulated. <laughs> oh, I, oh, just yesterday, yes, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you, dear friend. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I, I, I had a whole bunch of work that I should have been doing, and I couldn't. I just couldn't settle down. Mm-hmm. And I know that's uh, not just me. No. It's, you know, everybody else going through. And I just, oh, one thing I want to bring up with Thanksgiving in mind mm-hmm. is, well, actually two things. Scott Mission, mm-hmm. we're yes. very big supporters of that mm-hmm. at Zoomer Radio, so please go online to donate on that. It's only $4.25 a meal. That's right. Uh, food banks. Yes. Boy, they Oof. are really in need of 25,000 oh. families yeah. are shopping at the food bank in yeah. Toronto mm-hmm. every month. So, a lot of folks for the very first time mm-hmm. have found themselves in that position, mm-hmm. so if you can help at all... Really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. All right. That being said, um, I got to get the phone numbers on you. Oh, All right. What a concept. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Hell, right, Yeah. All right. If you'd like to have a little word with Charlie, and she can have one or two back at you, <laughs> here's the number one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And by the way, if you are a first time caller, uh, why let uh, let us know, and then. You'll hear that just before you get to the air. They get your garden wings. And it's great to have your garden wings because it means you can hover. You can fly above. Levitation. Yeah, well, exactly. But then you get a sense of the garden and your space. It's a different, it's just a different view, right? Instead of just looking parallel to the ground, you you get to look down. You are poetic as all get out today, I'm telling (laughs) you. You know it. (laughs) It's this beautiful weather it's doing to me. Yeah, okay. Hey, we've got to take our first break. uh, And uh, Carlos in behind me here in the main studio, our Mm -hmm. operator, is going to get busy pushing a few buttons. And we're going to hear from our sponsors, all that sort of stuff. And Charlie and I shall return in moments here on Zoomer Radio. It's The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. 
garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, Charlie, let's uh, take a little meander out to Mississauga. You're lovely. Hey, there's John, old friend John out there. Good morning, John. Welcome Good to the show. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank, Thank you. you. You and too. And your families. Thank you. Uh, Charlie, um, is it the time I want to transfer some uh, peonies and shrubs? Uh, is it the time or maybe I'll wait? And no, my not second question, <laughs> shall I use uh, fertilizer, you know, uh, transplant fertilizer? Okay, good question. And yes, the answer is yes. If you're ever going to transplant peonies, now is the time to do it. Because if you try transplanting them in the spring, you'll not get the flowers. So we always do our transplanting of peonies in the fall. Uh-huh. And, and shrubs, you know, you can transplant just about anything in the fall. The rule of thumb is you want to do your transplanting six weeks before the first hard frost. Uh-huh. Well, so I don't know. Are we six weeks before the hard frost? Well, I hope not. Well, that, that would take us to the end of November. So that that's certainly you know possible. So I would, if you're going to transplant, do it today. And yes, I would use a transplant fertilizer. You mean today or, ne- or next week? <laughs> no, try not. I wouldn't put it off any further. Okay. You know, like it's it's been cool, and there's a cool week coming. It's just this is a really nice little blip of warm weather right now. But the cool weather will cool down the soil and slow down roots growth. See, that's the bottom line. When you transplant, you need roots to start growing. So uh-huh. the plants don't get heaved up out of the soil in the middle of the winter. Yeah. Okay. okay. Shall I use uh, transplant fertilizer, Charlie, or not? I would, according to directions. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Thanks, John. John. Hey, thank you, pal. Happy and, uh, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to <laughs> one and all at your place. Uh, from <clears throat> Toronto, maybe just around the corner, there's Mary online right now. Good morning, Mary. Welcome to the show. Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Thank, thank you. you. You too. Um, I'm wondering, I didn't notice when I picked up this, bag of fertilizer quite a while ago mm-hmm. it's and um i had terrible clover because i used the most expensive scott a grass feed mm-hmm. i have had nothing but clover in my lawn it was mm-hmm. like golf course lawn before mm-hmm. i used that mm-hmm. i've been trying to get rid of it but i finally again uh, pulled out patches all over so mm-hmm. and reseeded, okay? Right. I see the teeny weeny ones coming up now, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering this lawn fertilizer spring slash summer, 1805, can I use it? Yes, next spring or summer. I can't use it now. No. Why? Well, those little tiny baby seedlings you see coming up are yes. super tender and sensitive. Uh-huh. And remember, a fertilizer, when you put fertilizer on, fertilizer is actually a salt. So those little oh. tiny tender plants will get fried by the fertilizer. Oh, that makes sense. So that you'll just have to wait. They'll be much st- stronger and thicker and, and more mature next spring and summer. So choose a, a good day whenever that might be next, you know, May or June or July to apply that fertilizer. Good idea. But I would not, if you, I, I wouldn't even use a fall fertilizer on a brand new lawn, uh, just because you want to put down a reasonably good soil, put down good grass seed blend and watch it grow. Well, I did. I put it in just before we had all the tons of rain and I thought Excellent. since we might have a storm today. Yeah. I Maybe might be tomorrow. able to use it, but no. I'm glad I 
Yeah, I'm glad don't. I called. Yes. Thank you, guys. I'm glad again. you did, too. Okay. <laughs> stay safe. Stay well. Thank, Thank you, you very much. You Thank you, indeed. Uh, good time to call right now. Mm-hmm. We have a blank board, so you're uh, guaranteed to call through. Uh, in uh, Toronto, let's see, 416-360-0740. Our uh, long-distance line, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Uh, you know what I neglected to ask you off the top there? Mm-hmm. How did your weekend go last week when you took your dad to the county? Home to the county. Yeah. It went well, actually. Um, you got to remember, my dad lives in a retirement residents and they have a lot of rules Mm -hmm. and they've had even more rules since obviously last March so I went in there it was pretty funny Um, he had packed his little overnight bag but he wanted me to help him bring it down and um, there was a lineup because he was only allowed two people on the elevator so a lot big lineup to get up in the elevator so I went in there I went I went like I'm going up the stairs number one and I'm here to bust my dad out of this place (laughs) (laughs) and they're all looking at me like what because they know me right I'm I'm there a lot so it's like all right dad you know come with me like we're, 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 I'm busting you out of here. Like, let's go. Let's, you know, we're bolting out. They can't stop you. I've got, you know, hold my hand kind of thing. Anyway, it was pretty cute. Got him in my car, took him out to the county. And he said, you know, I'm, I sleep a lot. So expect me to nap while I'm here. He didn't nap once. He was talking and chatting and we went walking. And your walking. dad's 93, right? He's almost 93. Yeah. yeah. Walking. He got to the point where he, his voice ended up getting hoarse because he was talking so much, <laughs> right? Because he lives alone. He hardly talks to anybody. He was just chatty, Mr. Chatty. Well, isn't that great? Yeah, so it was a good break for him. It was exhausting, obviously, but to, made all his favorite foods and, um, yeah, took him home. Uh, Elliot actually took him home on Monday, so he's been two nights with us and uh, just had a nice break, got some nice fresh air, got to see and our... And changes scenery for That's him, right, the new yeah. landscape and he had supported, he supported our landscape through this process and has um, added two trees into the mix. Oh, isn't that great? And so he got to see the good. two trees that he, he added in. So, yeah, it was... I guess yeah, it was a really nice. It was very quiet. It was just us, and he went back home and and uh, I saw him again last night, and he's he's pretty happy. It was a good. He had a good time. Alrighty, uh, we are up to our next break here already, uh, but we'll be back to say hi to Elizabeth and others, and uh, look at some emails too. The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. That was a good laugh. Can you do that laugh again? Uh, (laughs) That one. Um, Oh, yeah. Well, you're going to do one email here Mm -hmm. first because folks have been waiting to hear back. Well, they did pile up, right? And I'm sorry, everybody. I've been trying to kind of work away on them, and I'm certainly bringing some into each show. As we go, okay? Uh, this is from Barry Fishbane, Thornhill, Ontario, about a dwarf Alberta spruce. Mm-hmm. Hello, Charlie. Enjoy your show every Saturday. Writing regarding a dwarf Alberta spruce, which you can see from the pictures I've attached. There's a couple of large holes in the west side of the plant. I have had to use rope and bungee cord to prop up some of the lower branches, but this still leaves large holes in the foliage. Should I cut off the bottom branches and let it all grow back? What do you suggest? Good question, Barry, Mm. and you're not the only one with this question, I think. So I hope everybody's listening. So Barry has put a dwarf Alberta spruce into a fairly shady spot. He's also got it jammed up fairly close to, it looks like, the garage or the foundation of the house. So what's happening there? Insufficient light... 
at the base of the plant, particularly near the house, insufficient air circulation because it's all jammed too tight. So what happens? The lower branches start to turn yellow and drop needles and look kind of bare and not so pretty. So Barry's trying to solve the problem with rope and bungee cord. This is this is the kind of thing my mother would do too, right? It was like, just, you know... Tie them up. <laughs> the poor, the poor plants. Honestly, what I would do, berries, I would take that plant out. It is not a young plant. It's been there for at least 15, maybe 20 years based on the size of it. Given the low light conditions, choose a pyramidal evergreen like a pyramidal yew that will handle that amount of shade and also responds very nicely to pruning. The problem with an Alberta spruce is, and you suggested maybe I should just take off some of these lower branches, let it grow back. It will not grow back. Spruce will not grow back from old wood at the bottom. All your growth on a spruce is up at the top and the tips, whereas yews are very forgiving and they'll grow little new growth anywhere on the plant. So that's my best, my suggestion, you asked for my suggestion, my suggestion is replace take, take it out. pyramidal U. Yep, good stuff. Okay. Online, Elizabeth in Scarborough calling in this morning. Hi, Elizabeth. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have, uh, I, I'm wondering how hardy hibiscus are. They've been out all summer. I have many plants. I have double red ones and mm. coral ones. But I do have an enclosed balcony off my second floor bedroom that gets the morning sun. And last winter, I brought in hanging pots of geraniums, mm-hmm. and they thrived. <laughs> they yes. got leggy, and then I made, took cuttings and made many more plants and gave lots of them away. Now I'm wondering. Mm. Um, cool. I, I used to bring in the hibiscus and wrap them in a plastic bag, water mm. them and wrap them in a plastic bag so they sort of were in their own little uh, hothouse. But mm. I'm wondering if they would survive out in this uh, enclosed balcony. It kind of depends what kind of a winter we have right oh. last winter was a pretty mild winter okay so um that's what's going to make the impact on like your enclosed second floor balcony obviously has no source of heat no or, no it doesn't but you know it gets the morning sun so it warms up early in the day it <clears> does, stays yes. warm probably it, all day uh, but it, sun goes down yes and if it drops to 20 below outside what would be the temperature out on that balcony i wonder yeah yeah so that would be the only thing i mean maybe I mean, it's a good idea. I would certainly start them there and then maybe put a little thermostat or thermometer, I should say, out there and monitor. Actually, there's great little thermometers nowadays where you you stick uh, the sensor out where you want. Like I have one in my garage, for example. But the readout is in my office. So I can sit in my office and I can say, oh, it's 14 degrees in the garage right now. Oh, Um, okay. So just one of those little things where it's a two-piece thermometer and sensor. If you left a little sensor where it's not going to get the sun, right, you have to make sure the sun doesn't beat down onto it. It's got to go into a darker spot on the balcony. Then you have a constant knowledge of what the temperature is. Your tropical hibiscus will likely survive down to eh, one or two degrees. Soon as it's down around zero, you're going to start to see some frost damage on the tips. And then if it gets less, like it gets down to two or three or four below zero, the frost damage would just go deeper into the plant. Okay. Okay. It could be that the root will survive and the whole plant will, you know, turn to mush, but you yes. still have a plant next spring that will grow back from the root. It's just a question of, you know, how vigorous they are and how cold it would get and for how long. Yes, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's funny because they didn't bloom a lot during the summer, but now they're blooming. I know, they're funny and, that way. Uh, <laughs> I brought one in, and every day I seem to get a new bloom. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but it, 
I had to cut some of them back because they were just too, too tall. Too big. I know. And that, see, that's why we cut our hibiscus, our tropical hibiscus. Do your hard pruning in March. Yes. Anytime in March. And that way you don't have to prune them back in September, October. Because uh, right, there should be a reasonable size for getting back in the house. Yes, yes. Well, thanks okay. for your call, Ellen. Yeah, good luck with that. Let us know what you decide to do. Okay, Elizabeth, thank pardon you. me. Yeah. I, I was looking at our next caller's name there. Ellen, <laughs> online from Brentford. Good morning, Ellen. Hello, Ellen. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question regarding um, planting a Norway spruce and some cedars. I'm going to put a berm at the back of my property that I envision being about 30 inches high. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if I can plant the um, root ball just into the berm, or should I cut into the main soil, into the yard itself, and put it a little bit in there, and then the berm up around the root ball? No, your first suggestion is the right one. What you're going to do is you're going to change the grade of your yard by adding that berm, so adding that 30 inches. Now, that becomes your soil level. When you plant anything into the garden, into the gardens or the lawns or anything, always look at your soil level as needing to match the plant that's being installed. So it's oh, the, it could be the That's soil level in the pot, or it could be a big root ball. But bottom line is, yeah, do your berm first. Then, and what are you going to make the berm out of? Is it just some fill, or have you got some good soil? Or I was going to order some triple mix. Oh wow, that's a snazzy berm. <laughs> the the well, berms I built at my place are all underneath. They're all rock <laughs> uh, with oh. an inch of soil. Uh, so no, that's great. I, I mean, you don't have to go expensive triple mix. For, I mean, I don't know how big this berm is, but that's quite. A, by the time you're going thirty inches high, um, that's yeah. quite a lot of triple mix. But it will you'll be able to grow anything on it. It'll be beautiful. Yes, and I could probably put some cheaper fill at the bottom of the berm, maybe to save That's a right. little money. Or, yeah. yeah, or even just go with a, you'll usually find that topsoil is less expensive than triple mix. So you could always oh, okay. kind of go with a half and half, where you know you're putting the Norway spruce, plan for your triple mix in that area, and put uh, topsoil throughout the rest. And know as well that Norway spruce are very tough, very tough, very good choice of a plant. Oh, great. Okay, thank you very much. You're very thank welcome. Thank you, Ellen. Yeah. Take care okay. of Brantford Forest. Yeah. Meantime, yeah. uh, I'm going to go back to our file of emails here, working away slowly at them. Oh, um, you ain't seen nothing yet, baby. Yeah. There's oh. lots on my computer at home. <laughs> oh, oh. Cheryl Durand, in any case, writes, Hi, Charlie. Years ago, my father planted this balsam hedge at the cottage, which provides great privacy from the road. Typical maintenance was to trim it flat straight across the top. However, the growth at the bottom has been thinning, reducing privacy. I've not trimmed it for three years now, thinking if I allowed the tips to emerge so I could identify each tree, I could shape them back into proper tree form, allowing some light to promote more growth at the bottom. If I'm correct in thinking this will work, how can I maintain the hedge in a bonsai-like fashion so the trees won't continue to grow upward and yet maintain bushiness at the bottom? There you go. Wow. (laughs) And do you see the picture? No, I didn't. So it's a little little, um, balsam spruce is what they are, and they're all lined up in a hedge. So they got little pointy tops and naked naked bodies, if you will. So they've got these little frilly kind of, you know, triangular tops, and then the the trunks of the trees are naked. (laughs) It's like, you know, dancing girls with like, you know, flouncy uh, dresses, (laughs) flipping them up, and there's the legs. So, yes, Cheryl, you have an issue here. What are you going to do? Okay, why this happened, 
why the lower leaves and lower branches and needles were lost is because the top is shaving the bottom. So your top frilly, that's right, all that frilly growth on Mm -hmm. top is shaving the, the bottom of the plants. So, of course, you know, we see dieback. Your job is to prune this hedge in such a way that it's narrow on the top and and it, the, the theory on any hedge is narrow at the top and wider at the bottom. So the sun coming in hits oh. all parts of the hedge. Taking the tops off of those balsams will help them bush out because right now they're, they're little pyramidal triangles. Um, so taking the top off will make them bushier. The challenge for you is to get some bushiness happening down at the bottom instead of just, you know, sort of big blousy tops yeah, it's not on. It's too them. late to do that. Yeah, um, to do that now, you could do it. I personally will probably wouldn't do it now. I'd probably wait till mid spring next year. So it could be up at the cottage, could be late May, depending on what kind of spring we have. But what you and I would fertilize at that time. So what you're trying to do is encourage some new growth at the bottom in that very shady location. So you're going to have to prune them narrow at the top, plus take the tops off. And you have to really just encourage any growth that comes from the bottom to get growing out far enough to keep growing. It's a bit challenging. Okay. <laughs> um, our next caller, I do believe this is Maureen in North York, who, and she can confirm this, sent me a lovely Thanksgiving card and a whole bunch of stickers in there, fall colors, uh, leaves, and so forth, for my uh, granddaughter, Maggie, who is a little Down Syndrome gal. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you so much. I, I hope I'm thanking the right Maureen here. Hi, Maureen. <laughs> I think so. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, uh I send Thanksgiving blessings to both of you. I'm glad you like the card and the stickers. That's great. Very sweet. I have only a short question, uh, because I know a lot of people want to call in. I bought a pack of tulips, Mm -hmm. 50 different types of tulips, and the instructions were said something which I have never seen before. It said if I planted them, the bulbs, two weeks apart, I would lengthen my spring growing season. Mm-hmm. Could this possibly be true? <clears throat> okay, so when you look at that package of bulbs, that is a package um, packaged in the Netherlands, I assume. It wouldn't make yes, a difference. It's all different types of tulips. Yeah, it won't make. Yeah, it doesn't make a difference. Um, yeah, sometimes it does make a difference. Like gladiola are an example where we plant them in the spring. So when we're planting things in the spring, if we plant every two weeks, we can get gladiolas blooming every two weeks because they'll start to grow when we plant them. The thing with tulips, of course, you're absolutely right. They're going in now. They have no concept of whether they went in October or November. They're going to grow when the conditions are right in the spring. It could be that in that package, there's early, mid, and late tulip varieties. So you're going to get that that sort of um, uh, sort of choreography of tulips opening over a period of time, regardless of when you plant them. So I would plant them all at the same time. Yeah, there's 50 of them, and I'm really happy with it because it's got filled ones and ones that are multicolor. Nice. And some even that are green and white. I love those. Yeah, I have some of those. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, don't worry about doing some kind of sporadic planting date. When you're ready to plant today being an excellent day, get them out in the ground, get them deep enough so those squirrels don't pull them up and uh, <laughs> yeah. and um, uh, enjoy when they come up. And I think you'll find that they will open over a long period because they're going to varieties will be chosen to do that. Thank you, Marina. Oh. Have a happy okay, Thanksgiving. Thank yeah. Thanks okay. for calling. Right. Well, you know, um, <clears throat> but, Frank, sorry to interrupt, but just a quick point here. Um, that reminds me, Maureen's question about bulbs. This is the time. 
This is the time to be planting bulbs for next spring beauty. Ah. And there's an excellent website that for those who are not shopping in garden centers or getting out to Home Depots, you can shop online. It's called Flower Bulbs Are Us. So the letter R Us, just like mm-hmm. toys are us. So flowerbulbsareus.com. The reason I promote that um, website is it's run by a woman who's a friend of mine, Caroline DeVries. She also, uh, she's an importer of bulbs here in Mississauga. And she also has a trade, um, uh, sell, you know, uh, so she does retail and trade sales. So I received three big boxes of bulbs from her. Oh, wow. Lovely. Uh, this past week. And I have, uh, approximately, I know Elliot just about fell over. I have approximately a thousand to twelve hundred bulbs to plant. Oh. In the next couple of weeks. Or Elliot does. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't let him. He's been out the weeding king, though. He's the, the master of weeds, which is great. So he's been weeding like, cause the weeds are coming up. They're just so happy with all this rain and sun and beautiful soil. So, yeah, but I've got some gorgeous, gorgeous bulbs to get in the ground. And I'll just tell you, imagine this, dark purple hyacinths. So fragrant hyacinths, but a really rich darple mm-hmm. with bright orange tulips. Ooh. Ooh. Very Super cool. Super hot. Yeah. And that, that website again was? Flowerbulbsareus.com. Gotcha. Okay. In Mississauga, Helen hanging on the line. Good morning, Helen. Welcome to the show. Yeah, um, Thanksgiving to both of you. Oh, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to ask a question about um, bringing in two potted plants. One's a begonia and one's um, a Spanish lavender. Mm-hmm. If I was to bring them in and give them new, fresh potting soil, would they survive in the house, do you think? They can. Uh- one thing is I would not transplant them as part of the bringing in because it is highly stressful to be transplanted and bringing them in is going to be stressful enough. Okay. What I would do, you're absolutely right. Spanish lavender is an annual. It will die outside if you leave it outside, as will the begonia. I assume they're in pots now. Yeah, they're in pots. Yeah, so what I would do is I'd make up a mix of soap and water, not detergent, but soap and water, Mm -hmm. uh, 20 to 1 ratio, water to soap. So it could be like a dish soap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I would um, wash the plants off. So you're going to wash the leaves, the flowers, you're going to, you know, gently sort of pour it on, spritz it on, wash it through the soil and let that soap sit there. And of course, don't let these plants sit in the sun with the soap on them. And then 20 minutes or so later, just a rinse, rinse all that soap off and rinse water through the soil at the same time. Let the plants drain out on the patio or wherever before you take them in. The, oh, okay. the, cause the reason you're going to do that, it just, it scares away little spiders and earwigs mm-hmm. and whoever's decided to move into the pots. So yeah. it, it cleans up the plants, gets free before you come inside. Now your challenge is going to be find a nice spot for them. So they're going to need bright, not necessarily direct sunlight, but they need a bright spot in your house. Yeah. They're going to need some probably extra humidity that you won't have available because as the furnace comes on, it gets pretty dry inside. So I would make a tray of pebble tray for them, just like a cookie sheet with gravel, sit the pots on top of the gravel, keep water in the gravel, and always have that evaporation of moisture going on around the plants. That helps raise humidity on a consistent basis. And keep an eye on them. Keep them cleaned up, you know, good garden hygiene. Don't let any dead leaves drop and start to mildew in the pots. And cross your fingers. The Spanish lavender is probably going to be your trickier one to bring in. The begonia, not so much. Generally, they're pretty good to uh, bring indoors. 
Okay. Well, that sounds good then. Now, just one question to ask you. What's the difference between soap and detergent? Hmm. Like, is when you say soap, do you Hmm. mean like dish soap? But not detergent. So what's the difference? Okay, so way, way, way back, actually right around the Second World War was just ending, and they were doing all kinds of research and development around chemical warfare and biological warfare. Detergent was invented. Prior to detergent being invented, we only had soap. So when we would wash greasy frying pans... Everything would still be sort of greasy afterwards. The water would be greasy, our cloth would be greasy, the frying pan was pretty clean, and then you had to change the water to do the next greasy thing. Detergent, on the other hand, has emulsifiers in it. So what that does is it slides the soapy uh, residue off of everything, including your cloth and your hands and your frying pans and your sink, so that it feels like you've got a much cleaner product at the end, but it's that emulsifier that slides everything off that doesn't work to kill bugs. It only gives them a bath. Uh, oh, ah. okay. so safer well, soap. Yeah, safer soap is a soap designed as an insecticidal soap. Yeah, Ivory, as far as I know, does make soap uh, that's a dish soap. Um, and then nowadays with so much uh, sort of sensitivity around, um, you know, uh, sort of eco-friendly cleaners and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing, it's not that hard even in just a regular uh, grocery store to go to the, the um, detergent area or the cleaning aisle and find... Absolutely, one hundred percent natural soap cleaners. Okay, all right. All right. I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah, right. That's good. Thank you. Give it a try. All right. Thank (laughs) you. Let let us know. And just before we take our next break, I discovered a little little tidbit of information here that I thought, gee, Charlie might enjoy this little note. Did you know that First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt had a rose named after her? Well, she was thrilled. Until she read the description, which said, <laughs> not good in bed, but fine against a fence. <laughs> Isn't that great? Okay. <laughs> I'm not surprised she didn't like that description. I thought you were going to say it was so prickly, like, you know, not very pretty and super prickly. <laughs> um, we, we have to take a break. Literally, we do. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, thank you. Um... Furiously working at the computer while that was <laughs> going like that? on, uh, and uh, requested by me, I said to Charlie, "Would you check um, Omimi, Ontario? I'm sure that was Neil Young's birthplace, and we couldn't really verify that at no, all." No, it says Toronto it says all Toronto. over the web. But you know, somebody you're who sticking might to know, it. <laughs> I know Audrey is on the line from Omimi. I wonder if you can tell us uh, if, if indeed that was Neil Young's birthplace. Anyway, welcome to the show, Audrey. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, Yes. we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. I have hollyhocks, Mm -hmm. and the bed has been growing for 20 years and just replenishing itself. Mm -hmm. And last year and this year, I've not got any flowers. They grow up. They're not growing as high as they used to. But they don't even produce seeds. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, every second year, I think the plants change. <clears throat> and I have three different colors, and it's happening to all three. So, two years, green leaves only, no flowers. That's correct. And as you know, when the green le- hollyhocks are supposed to grow with just green leaves the first year, and then they're supposed to flower the second year, produce seeds, and die. And if you don't get any flowers, you're just going to have green plants that are eventually going to just peter out. I'm wondering, in the 20 years that the hollyhocks have been growing there, have you ever amended the soil at all, added any composted manure or fertilizer or anything? It's had a, a fertilizer put on it and and uh, compost. Okay, good. Recently, recently, have you put compost? Like in the last two or three years? I'm not sure. Okay. Because I'm wondering if maybe that's, or is it a case of the hollyhocks used to be in full sun, but now some trees have grown and they're in less sun? No. Okay. No. That's they, not the case. Okay. Because they do they love, love full their, sun. They love their sun. Hmm. Well, that's a bit of a, bit of a puzzle. Um, what I would do is, I mean, like I said, to have those green leaves is not that unusual. Um, but normally, you're right, there's a whole cycle that starts. So you've got summer in the first year, summer in the second year, there's always new seed dropping and new plants growing. And sometimes we can circumvent the first year by having the seeds germinate the year that they are produced. So we have nonstop flowers from the, in the same spots. Um, yeah, no, it's a really good question. So right now you look at it, it's just a bed of green leaves and they're, they look good and healthy and green? Yes, they seem healthy and fine. And roughly Except how... they're not as big tall. as they used to grow. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we expect them to be a ro- like a low-growing green plant first year and then a tall flowering plant the second year. My recommendation is next spring, because all that green's going to drop down in the, in the winter, and it'll just be a, a naked bed next spring, is get some help. Get somebody to help you with some good quality, well-composted organic matter, and make sure that they sprinkle it on to the surface, the entire surface of the entire garden, roughly a half an inch to an inch deep, no deeper than an inch. And just get a whole sprinkling thing going on there. No... You know, no, try not to walk in there. Just make it so it's just kind of a gentle rain of organic material and see what happens next year. This year, I'm surprised. It was so hot, so dry that you didn't end up with some flower production. Um, cool, wet summers are not going to really be great for encouraging that, but this should have been a good summer for that. So I'm kind of surprised. So let's see what happens next year with the addition of some real quality organic material. Thank you very much, Audrey, and good luck with that. Uh, on to Brampton, Ontario. There's Carol on the line. Good morning, Carol. Welcome to the show. Yes, good morning. How are you? Great, thanks. Good morning. Good morning. I just have a, a quick question regarding putting down grass seed. Mm-hmm. I thought today would be a perfect day, um, but now I'm beginning to wonder if it's too late in the season if I've left it. I should have done it last month. Well, tell me, is your lawn level or is it on a slope? Level. So go ahead, do it now. The way it works is if you, well, of course, you're going to rough up your grass, your existing grass. I imagine it's thin, right? You've got thin areas in your lawn? Yeah, bald, yeah kind of like bald spots. Mm-hmm. But my husband was saying, well, if we put it down now, then um, the neighbors have a couple of maple trees and we'll have to rake their leaves. He 
thought we would just be um, mm, doing potentially you know, doing it for nothing because he'd have to break up the lease. Yeah. Well, what I would do is I would never just put grass seed down onto uh, bald spots. I would do a little bit of top dressing. So with, yeah, we're going to put down topsoil mm-hmm. and I've got peat moss. We're going to mix that together. Great. And then you're going to sprinkle that out on these spots. You're going to put out your grass seed like you're feeding the chickens. Then you're going to do a light raking to cover up the grass seed and you're going to water or wait for rain. Correct. Um, the ch- you're right. I mean, the... The great thing about grass seed is it will wait until the conditions are right for it to grow. So it won't go anywhere. It, it, if necessary, it'll sit there till next spring and it'll grow next spring. But with the maple leaves to be dealt with, um, unless you can do, because it depends how, how deep your maple leaves end up coming down onto the lawn. Like if you can lightly rake the leaves off of the areas where you've place the seed, it shouldn't be a problem. I mean, you're just going to move the seed around yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just do it lightly. Yeah, but if you're going to plan to do some pretty hard raking, or you've got, you know, a lot of stomping around to do to get the leaves, then you're, he's right. You should probably just wait till the spring. Yeah, no, no, I don't think the raking is going to be that bad. So yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I'd put the grass seed out sooner than later, because now is a better time to plant grass seed than the spring. Because okay, the fantastic. soil is nice and warm, and the seed will respond to that nice warm soil. In the spring, the soil is so cold, the seed just like, you know, wraps itself up in a in a scarf and, and waits till <laughs> June. It's just too way too cold yeah. in the spring. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you, Carol. Thank you very much. Uh, you bet. Uh, we're up to our next break here. And you know who's waiting on the line? The inventor of the fantastic <laughs> tomato feeding procedure. That would be Werner in Tilsonburg. We'll get to you, Werner, in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And let's welcome from Tilsonburg, Ontario, Werner Online. Good morning, Werner. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. I have a couple of rose bushes. Mm-hmm. They were sick this summer. They had these black spots on the leaves. Mm-hmm. And I got myself some, uh, it's called EcoWay rose flower fungicide dust. Okay. But I put it in liquid. And they... Okay, they got rid of the black spots, but they didn't bloom for a while. Then they came back. Okay. I wonder, do I trim them now or wait till spring? No, I, I, unless the roses have grown with canes that interfere with a walkway or your front door or, you know, getting out to the garbage can, what, like, unless they're a problem, I leave roses, oh, or they're super tall and they are going to damage themselves in the north wind, in the winter wind, or, you know, bang against a fence or a wall, I would trim them down slightly to avoid that, but otherwise I do all my rose pruning in the spring. In the spring, yep. eh? And feed them at the same time. The day you prune is the day you feed, and that's usually a nice sunny day in early spring. Um, and, and the black spot is because of poor air circulation or not uh-huh. enough sun, or both. So, those dusts can work to control fungal diseases, but the best thing is, is to prevent fungal diseases with Good air circulation, so you've got an open, your roses are pruned to grow in an open way. Uh-huh. And, and of course, they should be in a situation where there's six hours or more of direct sunlight. Yeah, they do, they do get that. They get that in the morning till noon. Okay. 
Yeah, so, yeah, and morning sun is a gentler sun than an afternoon sun. So, and be very, very careful. You never water them in the afternoon and leave them wet overnight. Always water at soil level and preferably early in the morning. I guess soaker hose is the best way to water roses. Avoid wetting the foliage. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, now I'm going to zip along here because. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're going <laughs> to run out of time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, two notes about trees e- from emails. Aldina. Uh, emails. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Aldina uh, writes in, as does uh, Maureen, with uh, a suggestion, hopefully from you, uh, who both want to plant trees. A small tree. Yep. Narrow area. Both of them are in their backyard between, in the case of Aldina, between the shed and the patio. She wants to block the hot afternoon sun on the west side. And she wants something that's tall and narrow, that's not messy and disease resistant. And then she says, maybe I'm asking too much. <laughs> so that was Aldina. And Maureen was virtually the same. She wants to plant a tree in the front yard, again, facing west. Mm-hmm. Gets super hot in the afternoon sun. Um, small property. So 30, she tells me, the property dimensions and a couple of trees have failed. All right. Get out your pencils and paper, ladies and gentlemen. Maureen and Aldina. I know Maureen's listening. Hopefully Aldina is as well. You weren't that clear about how small because they're... So I'm, I came up with small. The small I'm going to recommend is 15 to 30 feet tall max. So that's a small tree or 5 to 10 meters tall. Here's my list. Laburnum, L-A-B as in Bob, U-R-N-U-M, also known as Golden Chain Tree. Mm -hmm. Lovely, lovely Zone 6 plant. Yellow, drooping, they look like chains, right? They're beautiful yellow flowers and nice green bark. So Laburnum, one I just planted at my new home is called Persian Ironwood. The proper name is Paratia. So think of the word parrot. So P-A-R-R-O-T-I-A. So Paratia Persica, because it's Persian ironwood. Amazingly beautiful tree. Mm. You know what it does? In the fall, the leaves are green in the summer. In the fall, the leaves turn every color of the rainbow. Yellow, orange, red, and burgundy all on one tree. Wow. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I'm just so excited about these two trees. It's, they're new for me. Columnar crab apples. Columnar crab apples are narrow. They don't get too big. There's white and pink. You decide which one you want. Make sure the western location is good. Lots of sun. Make sure there's enough air circulation. But I love a columnar crab apple. Maybe a little too messy for Aldina because she didn't want messy. Um, <laughs> and then another one is Stuartia. So the name Stuart. And then an IA. So Stuartia, beautiful white flowers on a Stuartia. All those fit fairly mm-hmm. narrow, no more than 30 feet tall. Might be a good time to remind folks uh, about checking any of this stuff off uh, on the podcast. Correct. Uh, by going to the main page at zoomer.ca, go to the garden show, then podcasts, and you'll select which date you want. And the full, what, 13 years? I think, yeah, is on the Zoomer Media yeah. website. And the thing also is that <clears throat> it used to be it took a couple of days for the podcast from Saturday to be posted. Mm-hmm. But if they're pretty organized now. I think it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's up by Monday afternoon. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's good. So there you go. Some of those suggestions, particularly for the trees, um, you're going, Oh, I can't write fast enough. It's okay. Just go back and you'll find it all again, uh, on the podcast. You're able right. To and you can listen, listen to closely. all yeah. these pearls of wisdom from Absolutely. Frank and I. Now, uh, how about, uh, the, well, Thanksgiving is, of course, on Monday. Um, Pretty much canceled across the country. 
country, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a tough go for a lot of people. So you know what I'm doing? I'm doing what a lot of people are doing. No, no 14-pound turkey at my house. Yep, same here. A simple turkey breast. Well, simple. It's still yep. five or six pounds. Bang it down with a hammer, stuffing, roll it all up, yep. tie it with string, stick it in the oven for an hour, and dinner's ready. Well, Shirley's sister Betty had a knee operation just uh, last week, and so we're going to be taking Thanksgiving dinner over to her, and that's it, because, you know, we can't do the... No old, messing around with the family. Yeah, social distancing, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Anyway, uh, with that in mind, may both Charlie and I wish everybody a very happy <coughs> Thanksgiving. I'm coughing like a crazy person here. Yes, indeed. Thanks for many things. Think of the silver linings. I mean, I know this has been a tough go, but there are some serious silver linings from this pandemic. One is the environment has been certainly a lot happier place without all those airplanes and all that travel and all that craziness with tourism, etc. So, yes, I know economically it's tough and our hearts go out to the the businesses that have now been shuttered in both Peel and Toronto and Ottawa. Happy. See you next week. Yeah. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.